your brain is a master. It really understands what it needs to do to get you out of pain. And so it will make all of these subtle calculations and changes in your behaviors to get you out of pain. And it'll all happen unconsciously mm -hmm. for the most part. The only time that the brain can't do that is when it's out of options. Yep. And that's when you have chronic pain. Yes. Intermittent pain that comes and goes and you do this and it goes away for a little while. And then it, but it comes back maybe a year later. Well, that's you just kind of wiggling out of it temporarily. But when you can't get it to go away, undeniably, it has everything to do about your past in terms of your injuries. Mm -hmm. And this is the thing that I think most people are really, they don't want to look into their past injuries because they think, well, if my injury happened 20 years ago, then it's going to, is it going to take 20 years to fix this? You know, no, your yep. pain is a signal that you're, something is wrong with your body now. And if you fix that thing now, your pain will go away now. It won't take 20 years, even though that may be how old that injury is. <laughs> yes. You can fix it pretty quickly if you know what it is. Mm -hmm. And so it's just like when you cut a finger or break a bone, the, the skin heals, mm -hmm. the bone mends. You have all of these internal things inside of us that help us heal. Yes. So if you're having pain or dysfunction, it means that there's some obstacle in, the, in your body's way from healing. And it's usually in how you're using your body. Welcome to the HNL Movement Podcast, where everything is geared to leveling up your performance in activities, sports, and life. Join me in my professional journey as I share my knowledge and experiences while also learning from professionals, colleagues, clients, and you with one goal in mind, how to optimize human performance. This is the right place to learn how a multidimensional approach will sustain the performance and lifestyle you desire. Welcome back to the HNL Movement Podcast. For all of my new listeners, thank you for tuning in. You're in the right place to hear about all these topics that are geared to help you elevate your performance. For all of my returning listeners, thank you again for joining for another episode. I hope everyone's new year is off to a great start. And if you haven't heard some of the past episodes, Check out the previous library of episodes on all of your favorite podcasting platforms. I cover a lot of solo topics, strategies, techniques, and just sharing more concepts that will help you to optimize your performance. And there's been a lot of great guest interviews. Guests have come on to share their stories, experiences, and these conversations always have gems and insights that we can take and apply to our journey as we're trying to improve our performance and just live a healthier and happier lifestyle. Also, be sure to check out all of the other free content I'm putting out on all of my social media platforms and my YouTube channel. My YouTube channel has video highlight clips of some of the guest interviews so that you can watch some of the video content that matches the audio that you've been listening to. All of my social media accounts are at HNL Movement and my YouTube channel as well. So go check that out. Also interact, share with me any value that you're getting. I would love to hear from all of you listening out there. Let's jump into today's episode and it's an exciting one. This was an excellent conversation that I had with a fellow practitioner. We have Rick Olderman on the podcast who is a physical therapist by trade, but he's done a lot of digging and putting together all these different philosophies to help people treat their pain, move better, and address some of the underlying causes that is causing any dysfunction or pain in their life. 
Rick talks all about going through physical therapy school and all of the things that we learned. They're extremely important, but it was still not connecting all of the dots. It was looking at the body in segments or components and being very good at understanding symptoms, but not necessarily the underlying root cause of what's causing all the pain, the symptoms, the dysfunction. Over the past 20 plus years, he's been looking into and digging deeper into all these different philosophies and formulating his own system that has helped a lot of his patients get out of pain. We talk about concepts from Shirley Sarman, from Anatomy Trains, from Hannah Somatics. So these are all great things to be exposed to and how there's a lot of overlapping principles and concepts that really looks at the body, not segmentally, but more as a whole system. There's so many topics that we've covered in here to give you a more expanded view as to how to treat some of your problems, pain, and dysfunction. For everyone out there listening, just understand that your body moves as a system and the way that we move and use our body on our daily basis, that can either help us move efficiently and prevent a lot of injuries, or it can lead us down this detrimental path where we start to break our bodies down and eventually cause pain and injury. So listen into this episode. There's a lot of great concepts that we've shared and also stay tuned to the end of the episode. Rick talks about all of his resources that he's created, his books, and also what you can find on his website. Again, this is a topic that I'm very passionate about. So it was a pleasure talking to Rick and I won't spoil anything else, but let's jump into this episode and enjoy this one. Welcome back, everyone, to the HNL Movement Podcast. This is going to be a very exciting episode for me because there's a lot of overlapping concepts and topics that we're going to talk about, and this is right up both of our alleys. So today we have Rick Oderman, a physical therapist out of Colorado, joining us on the podcast, and we're going to talk a lot about how you can fix pain, address pain, and just be functional in life. So thank you so much for joining me, Rick. Gosh, I'm excited to dig in. Thanks, Andrew. Yes, this is going to be exciting. Before we get into all of the details of, you know, fixing the body, moving better, moving well, let's start with your story. So why don't you give us a little background, what it was like, where, are you born and raised in Colorado, or you can start there, what was, where, where are you originally from, and what was your childhood like, and do you always have this interest in physical therapy, or movement, or athletics even? Now, I was, uh, I, was I grew up in Ohio on a farm. But I've always had an interest in understanding how things work. I took apart things. I took apart my toys all the time uh, just to figure out how they worked and so forth. So I've always had some inclination to figuring things out. And then when I was in my 20s, I developed back pain. And at that time, I happened to be or, uh, uh, volunteering at a physical therapy clinic. And one of the physical therapists noticed something was wrong. He treated me for a couple of times, felt great. But a couple of weeks later, it came back. And I, you know, I was thinking about going to PT school at this time. And so I realized, you know, I really have to go. If I'm going to understand what's going on here, I have to figure this out. I can't rely on someone else to solve my pain. So uh, I joined school to learn the insider secrets to fixing back pain. And uh, those secrets never came because there weren't any. <laughs> so in, in PT school, we were focused more on understanding the tissues that were injured, not so much why they were tissues injured. And intuitively, I felt if I could understand why my back was hurting, then I could fix it. So that, that answer never came. And then that bore out my first job after PT school. I worked in a small community and I was a miserable failure. And uh, I just couldn't help anyone with any kind of chronic issue because I, I just didn't even understand why I couldn't. You know, the information I was given in PT school just wasn't helpful. Maybe I got lucky, but sometimes, but 
really there was no skill <laughs> in terms of solving chronic pain. So I, I got I sunk into a deep depression because of this because you know I'd spent a lot of years and money with this education. I really felt this was you know, who I wanted to be, and yet I wasn't able to be what I thought I should be able to be. And so that's when I just decided I, ne I needed to just dig down and try and figure this out. That's when I started, uh, like I took Dr. Shirley Saruman's courses at University, Washington University in St. Louis. Huge, huge piece of my treatment plan. And then I just listened to your talk about anatomy trains. And so uh, then after I studied her stuff, then I, I found anatomy trains information. And that helped me see a, a bigger picture of things further uh, away from the site of pain that may be contributing to, to pain. And then I also then studied uh, Hannah somatics. Dr. Shirley Saruman approaches things from a biomechanical movement standpoint. Anatomy trains is, of course, fascia. And then Hannah Semantics is more of a neurological component to, to pain. And they all three, though, talk about the same three patterns of issues that are causing most pain in people. And so when I, it wasn't until I got to Hannah Semantics and they said what their three patterns were, I'm just like, holy smokes. That's exactly like Dr. Sharman, Sharman and also anatomy trains. I said, this is it. This is what I've been looking for. Mm -hmm. And so I've spent the last 20 years integrating this information to create a, a really cohesive, simple, co but comprehensive approach to solving pain. Yes. Long story short. <laughs> no, that's <laughs> awesome. So short. <laughs> I think that's, that's most people, you know, in all of the different physical therapy, athletic training disciplines, it's unfortunately, we learn a lot about the tissues, which is necessary. And we learn a lot about treating symptoms, right? And that's kind of what you're alluding to is that we're treating symptoms, but unless you actually attack or address the underlying cause, then eventually things are going to break down again, tissues are going to be stressed, and then the same symptoms are going to present itself. So just going beyond kind of, I think this is for anyone aspiring to be physical therapists or athletic trainers or anything, anyone in the field, right? Strength coaches as well is to understand that after your education, I think there's so much more to learn out there. It never really stops. And the more that you can put all of these pieces together, because there's so many things I can relate to after I graduated as well, you know, you're looking at all of these other philosophies and a lot of them have very similar overlapping concepts. And that's what you're talking about with Shirley Sarman and anatomy trains and all of this. I'm not too familiar familiar with her approach, but I know it's very based off of biomechanics and movements to try to treat these underlying causes. So the more that we can branch out and tie all of these concepts and philosophies together, that's really how the patient or the athlete benefits from, you know, helping them to overcome these obstacles, right? Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about your back pain, because I'm sure that has taught you a lot. Seeing it from the patient lens now, you can kind of see like, okay, I'm treating my symptoms well, but the overall chronic issue of back pain is not really resolving itself, right? So what can you share about that experience? And was that a pivotal moment in your career to kind of steer you towards all of these other philosophies and diving into more knowledge? Well, it's interesting. Um, so my apologies, I'm going to, I may geek out just briefly here. So um, Dr. Saruman, her, there, there are three patterns of dysfunction that she identifies as causing pain. One is uh, an extension problem, which is too much arching in the back or too many forces trying to pull your back into an arch. You talked a lot in your anatomy trains thing about lordotic po posture, but sway back posture also falls into this category. 
Another one of her patterns is a flexion problem. That's pretty rare, I found. So I don't really address that much anymore because it's like 1% of the people who have that. It's very rare. But then the third pattern that she addresses is a rotational issue. And I, I tried for years to fix rotational issues, but they never were. I couldn't successfully treat them long term. So I knew I had personally an extension problem, which means that I had too, too much arch or too many forces pulling my back into an arch. And actually, if you want, I can take you through a really quick test so your viewers can understand whether they have mm -hmm. this. Because it's the most common type of back pain that there is. Mm -hmm. And I had it. And almost everyone listening who has back pain probably has this. Mm -hmm. So would you mind if I just yes. take them through a quick test? Yes, okay. Sure. So if you're listening or watching right now, I want you to lie down on the floor with your legs straight. Mm -hmm. You can lie down on your couch or your bed. It doesn't matter. But a firmer surface is generally better. But just lie down on the floor with your legs straight. Now, I want you to feel what your back feels like in this position. All right. And now what I'd like you to do is bend your knees. So your feet are flat on the floor. Mm -hmm. So your does your back feel better with your knees bent or with your legs straight? Mm -hmm. And what would you say, Andrew? Uh, Most which, people are which, probably going to like it when their knees are bent because exactly yes. because why, what, what's happening with the back in this position yes. versus An like anterior pelvic tilt. They're getting lordotic, right? Because of all right. that tension in the front. And of course their back is shortening Arching. and compressing. Yes. Yeah, exactly. It's compressing. So, Folks listening, it's as simple as that. If you understand that your back doesn't do well with arching and it does better with flattening, that's a big piece of solving your puzzle. So to how this plays out in real life is if everyone now stands up and listens to this podcast, and if you stand for more than a minute, you'll notice that your knees are, most people's knees typically lock backwards, all right? And so this is an energy conservation move. Your body says, you know what? I'm going to rest here. I'm going to lock them back. Now I don't have to use my muscles. But if you feel what just happens to your back in this situation, so lock your knees backwards and feel your back. And now unlock your knees and feel what happens to your back with your knees unlocked. All right. And if you're not sure, then lock your knees again and you'll feel what happens. When your knees are locked, your back is arching more. And you just found out on the floor that your back doesn't feel as good when it's arched. It likes it better when it's flat. So if you stand and walk with your knees locked, then you're arching your back excessively throughout the day. And if you take 10,000 steps a day, that's 10,000 repetitions hammering your back all day long. So changing this one simple small habit can really solve a lot of people's back pain. Mm -hmm. So that's the extension part of it. And I, I figured that one out and I was just like, oh, I'm doing much better, but I was still having problems. And okay. it wasn't until I got to Hannah Somatics who identifies their third pattern instead of being a rotational pattern, okay. they identify side bending as the pattern. And if you read all of the medical books about neutral spinal mechanics, they all identify side bending of a spine in neutral equals rotation into the opposite mm -hmm. direction. Mm -hmm. And so all medical practitioners, including Dr. Shirley Sarman, who is a goddess, she is amazing. I don't want to, you know, uh, you know, badmouth her at all but they all identify fixing rotation as the problem. But it turns out that side bending is the driver of the rotation. Mm -hmm. And if you fix the side bending problem, and this is what I, someone fixed my side bending problem during my Hannah somatics training. I'm just like, mm -hmm. suddenly it was the last piece of the puzzle. Mm -hmm. And no one had ever talked about a side bending problem before. They call it something different in Hannah somatics, but I call it side bending because it's visually mm -hmm. really what's going on with the body. Mm -hmm. And once I learned how to solve that and then equate why the side bending pattern is occurring in the first place, 
that's that was the last piece and that's what solved my back pain and that's what has solved a lot of people's fixing so you can have an extension problem and a side bending problem together mm-hmm. right and so that's what i had that's what a lot of people have that's how i approach things from this basic real basic standpoint and this is how these three different practitioners or researchers all you know came together to to come to this uh this approach for me Yes, there's so many great things that you shared there. So we'll we'll go into one branch at a time. But yeah. I like how you use this information, use all of your education and looked out there to combine all of these philosophies. Because I think that's usually the philosophies that have a lot of success. There's not just one thing that makes it successful. And when you start to look at all of these different pieces of the puzzle, you're going to see a lot of these overlapping concepts come at or attack the problem or the issue from a different perspective. And I think that gives you a deeper understanding, not only to help yourself, but also to help other people. Now, obviously, you know, patients, athletes, even people that I work with, they're not going to be as interested probably, or as they don't have to know as in-depthly as how to fix this or what's actually happening, but they do want to do the things that will help themselves. So I think that's the underlying message here is that the more that people can understand how they're moving, right? Even with a simple assessment like this, and I'll put some video clips showing what you were talking about, lying down, bending your knees in that hook line position. But the more that they can understand what is actually happening with their body and actually start to feel and address these movement dysfunctions, I think that's going to be their biggest teacher to show them this is how I want to move so that I don't have excessive stresses on areas of my body. I don't create pain, right? And all of these other things. So that is the first thing. It's great how you bring all of these concepts together and you use it to just simply start from the most basic level. Let's just fix your spinal mechanics and how you control that type of movement, right? The second thing that I wanted to mention was, I mean, there's so many great things here, but even just how you took this experience, right? And it helped you to understand further how to actually teach this to someone, right? Because I think that's the other thing is that a lot of times we might not be able to deliver all of that knowledge that you've gotten, right? To make them really understand why this is important. And just all of these simple things, you can really tell that your clients and your patients, they really understand, oh, this is what's happening to me. This is why I'm causing all of these stressors, right? Is there anything that you want to add to that? Because I know there's a lot of success stories with all of this. Yeah, well, well, well two things. One, it, I, you know, I wasn't looking into all of these for some intellectual kind of, mm-hmm. you know, to be rigorous intellectually. Yes. I'm not an intellectual person. <laughs> I was looking at all of these because I wasn't getting my patients better. Mm. And so that was the driver for me. Mm-hmm. And for instance, when I started using Dr. Saruman's information, I saw a huge leap in terms mm-hmm. of my outcomes with patients. Mm-hmm. That was enormous. But then, and, and you're, the practitioners out there who work with people with pain will identify with this. Once you get to uh, one level, then another layer of level of patients start knocking on your door. And that's when I realized, okay, this has got a big piece of it, but it's not everything. Mm -hmm. And that's when I found anatomy trains. And that helped me look further away from the Mm -hmm. sources of pain. And so that got me to another level. But then there was another level. Mm -hmm. And and there there seemed to be some battery that was charging the body in these patterns of dysfunction. And that's where the Hannah Samax came in. Mm -hmm. So... And, and, and once I, I learned the semantics, integrated it with the other two fields, mm-hmm. and then 
the thing that I've brought to, to all of this is that all of this is happening because of how we're using our body. Yes. That was my underlying belief that I'm causing my pain for some reason, and I've got to figure this out. And so no matter what I learned, it all came down to, okay, that's nice that that side bending problems happen. And I know how to fix it, but why is that side bending problem mm-hmm. happening? Mm-hmm. And once I figured that out and the extension problem or the flexion problem or any other problem in the body, once mm-hmm. I got down to those root causes, that's when I started seeing the results that, that I was seeing. And it was really just my failure as a physical therapist that was driving me. And now I don't fail. Well, nearly as much as I used to. <laughs> yes. and, 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 and the other thing, and you're absolutely right, I have to be able to educate my patients to understand these things. Mm-hmm. And that's why I, I, my clinic has these skeletons. Because mm-hmm. once I can show people like a side bending problem is an elevated pelvis on one side and a depressed rib cage mm-hmm. on, the other, on the same side. So that would be a right side bending problem. Mm-hmm. And so when I, when I show them this, they're just like, that's exactly what I have. So uh, a lot of patients understand that they they have a sense of what the mm-hmm. problem is, but they don't have words to put to it. Yes. They don't understand exactly what it's looking like and what's happening. And that's the beauty of using something like this. So I can show them exactly how it's playing out in their body. Yes. No, that is great information. And I think the visuals, you know, whether it's showing them on a model, showing them on themselves, right, taking video of themselves, they really get to start to feel that issue on them. And I think that's the driving force that helps them to correct it as they make progress, right? I wanted to dive into another topic too, how we're going to talk about a little bit with common themes, I guess. And a lot of this, I think, is with just how society is, like our natural daily routine when it comes to physical movement, physical activity, right? I liked how you mentioned that most people have an extension and side bending problem, right? Which leads into a rotation problem. Not too many people have a flexion problem, right? And that's not to say that, you know, you could be that one or 2% that does present with that, right? Which is why Mm -hmm. it's important to get assessed properly. But talk a little bit about, because you see so many people with an extension problem and side bending problem, what are some of the daily activities that really drive this and make this such a common I want to almost say like pandemic, right? In, yeah. in today's world that everyone is stuck or restricted or can't control this movement in these planes, right? Can you talk a little bit about that? Like what's the common things that you see that causes these types of problems in people? Gate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Gate is the big one. All right. So mm-hmm. we already talked just briefly about standing. Mm-hmm. Standing and locking your knees is one of the worst things you can do for your back mm-hmm. and hips for that matter and knees and feet. So, but really if you have back pain, it's, it's really a nasty thing. In fact, uh, you know, so many people, I solved their back pain just by getting into unlock your knees. I had an elite college swimmer come to me. She had to drop her scholarship because she developed back pain while she was swimming, left college 15 years later, she still has crippling back pain. She was in so much pain that just walking to my table in the clinic, she had to rest for a minute to, to gain her composure. If she sat down, she had to rest. If she stood up, she had, she was in so much pain, but she didn't even come to me because of her back pain. She came to me because of plantar fasciitis. And as she put it, I I'm here for my plantar fasciitis. I've had back pain, but no one can fix my back pain. So I'm not going to even talk about it. I said, nothing gets my hackles up more than someone telling me I can't help them. So, so anyway, she was in so much pain. I couldn't even evaluate her, but watching her walk to my table, Mm -hmm. I knew exactly what was the problem. 
And so I just taped the backs of her knees to prevent her from locking her knees. Three days later, she was 75% better after 15 years of this pain, not only her back, but her plantar fasciitis. Because as you know, as you were talking about on your anatomy trains, it's all connected fascially, Mm -hmm. right? So standing and walking is a big deal. Locking your knees. If you cannot lock your knees when you stand and walk, yes, it was going to feel weird initially. But if it feels weird, then you know that you must be on the right track because how you're moving normally is registering under the radar. And your body's telling you something's wrong, but your brain can't register it because you've taught your brain to accept this as the normal way. So accept that you're going to have to do something different in order to feel better. And walking with your knees unlocked is a big part of it. Mm-hmm. And the same goes for uh, the side bending problems. All right. If you have sciatic pain, SI joint pain, unilateral hip pain, any unilateral pain on the side of a body, typically you'll have a side bending problem, which is an elevated pelvis and a depressed rib cage. Mm-hmm. So the question is, why is this happening? 99% of the time, it's because of some older problem on the same side of your body. So what your brain is tapping into is an, is an agent reflex that we're all born with called a withdrawal reflex. Mm-hmm. And that withdrawal reflex, if you watch little YouTube videos of babies with someone putting their, their feet down on a table, you'll see their body withdraws that foot from that stimulus. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the whole body withdrawing the foot, not just the knee or the mm-hmm. hip. It's the whole body. So when we have unresolved issues in one side of our body, our brain is slowly withdrawing from that stimulus. Even though the brain doesn't register pain Mm -hmm. because you've now compensated so you don't feel that pain, right? So you've maybe moved from this leg to the other leg to say, oh, yeah, now that leg doesn't hurt anymore. Now I can go run my race, right? (laughs) Okay, well, it's going to catch up at some point. And that's when when these kinds of things develop. Mm -hmm. So almost everything from the spine, pain from the spine, from the ribcage, all the way down to the bottom of the foot is due to a gait, walking, standing type of dysfunction that's occurring yes that is awesome especially a lot of people don't realize if you're even moderately physically active how much you walk around throughout the day and like you said how many reps that is right if you're taking an average of eight to ten thousand steps that's eight to ten ten thousand reps to program that more into your brain whether that's yes. the right way to use your body and move or the wrong way right i do want to touch on there's two questions before i lose my train of thought so We'll come back to the neuro aspect because I do want to talk about that a lot, how it's Uh imprinted into just your motor patterns, how you want to move. But before we get to that, you did mention a very crucial concept, I think, that I address with a lot of my athletes and patients, how you said that this information or movement is stored in your tissues and any unresolved weaknesses, imbalances, movement patterns, right? in certain areas from either injuries, from just bad technique or form, right? That even though there's no pain now, if we don't address those things, I constantly call it like, you know, tuning up your body, just getting checked out, kind of like how you would take your car in for service, right? Do the same thing for movement, for previous injuries. If we don't address those issues and they just become slowly more dysfunctional over time. That's what can present itself later in other parts of the body. So I like how you said that, you know, you could have unresolved issues on one side of the body that could eventually lead to hip pain, SI pain, back pain, right? So talk about that. Like how important is it to actually 
one, understand what potential dysfunctions there are, right? But how important is it whenever you're treating someone to look at all of the dysfunctions that could have been from 5, 10, 20 years ago, right? That they didn't realize, oh, I sprained my ankle really bad when I was a kid or, oh, I had patellar tendonitis, Osgoods, whatever it is, right? How important is that? Because I, I have shared my perspective, but it's good to hear your perspective coming at it from, you know, another practitioner. Why don't I just say I agree with you? That would be a lot shorter. Yes. <laughs> so you're, you're, unfortunately, your pain is going to tell you how important it is. Yes. What, what happens is, you know, your, your brain is a master. It really understands what it needs to do to get you out of pain. And so it will make all of these subtle calculations and changes in your behaviors to get you out of pain. And it'll all happen unconsciously mm -hmm. for the most part. The only time that the brain can't do that is when it's out of options. Yep. And that's when you have chronic pain. Yes. Intermittent pain that comes and goes and you do this and it goes away for a little while and then it, but it comes back maybe a year later. Well, that's you just kind of wiggling out of it mm -hmm. temporarily. But when you can't get it to go away, undeniably, it has everything to do about your past in terms of your injuries. Mm -hmm. And this is the thing that I think most people are really they don't want to look into their past injuries because they think, well, if my injury happened 20 years ago, then it's going to, is it going to take 20 years to fix this? You know, no, your yep. pain is a signal that you're, something is wrong with your body now. And if you fix that thing now, your pain will go away. Now it won't take 20 years, even though that may be how old that injury is. <laughs> yeah. You can fix it pretty quickly if you know what it is. Mm -hmm. And so it's just like when you cut a finger or break a bone, the, the skin heals, the bone mends. You have all of these internal things inside of us that help us heal. So if you're having pain or dysfunction, it means that there's some obstacle in, the, in your body's way from healing. And it's usually in how you're using your body. That is great. And I liked how you said pain is a signal because that's exactly what it is. It's a signal telling you that, yes, something is wrong. You're not moving how you should be. And you're throwing in excessive stress or whatever that may potentially damage you if you continue to do it, right? So the other thing that I want to touch on, getting back to that neuro aspect, and I know you have a lot of great things to share, and I'm always constantly learning from, you know, other practitioners and things like that. My underlying belief for most of my career is that everything's going to be modulated by central nervous system, your brain particularly. So whenever you have these types of movement patterns, dysfunction, walking, you know, in a weird gait, all of this is automatically regulated in your brain. Like all that information, that motor development or motor patterns are Danny. stored in your, in, are stored in your brain. Right. So talk a little bit about that because I think people don't realize that whatever you're doing, that's causing restriction, stiffness, pain, all of this, your brain is trying to calculate again, like you said, subconsciously, it's trying to calculate what is going to be the best way for you to move. And this is something that I am so interested in because majority of my PhD studies is on gait. So a lot of this, and I've practiced this, you know, try to help people with gait clinically, right? But the thing about it is that your brain is trying to accomplish two things. This is super simplified, but one is trying to help you to survive. So whether that's trying to 
pick the way that's going to get you the least amount of injury risk or least amount of pain, right? That's the primary goal. It doesn't want to injure ourselves. The second thing is it wants to do it as efficiently as possible. You can look at this from any approach, but biomechanically be efficient from an energy like exercise fizz perspective, be efficient, right? Don't waste energy. So we want to do those two things. But like you said, when we're out of options, that's sometimes that is the best calculated option for our brain to actually move in this way. Even though it's causing you pain, this way would be better than moving this way, right? So in a nutshell, I'm kind of going off of a tangent, but try to explain to your average patient or even people that you've worked with, how you would explain to them that we need to create these changes and we need to make sure that it gets stored up in your brain so that you can actually recreate this and start to do this more frequently than not. Yeah, well, there's a very simple way. Uh, I'll, I'll just kind of uh, demonstrate it. I, have, I find that if people can feel what you're talking about, they'll get it, right? So everyone listening, including you, Andrew, lace your fingers together as if you're praying. All right. Now look down and see which thumb is on top. Yep. Which thumb is your is on top for you, Andrew? My left. Your left. Okay. Now, without looking at your hands, mm-hmm. unlace your fingers and now put them back together with your other thumb on top. Now, was that as easy as the first way? No. No. Are you sure that the right thumb is on top? Yes. Uh, I made you look. Right? <laughs> yes. And most of the people doing this and it, keep holding your hand like this in this in this new way of doing it. So because this this really will highlight an, an important idea about how to change your movements and how your brain identifies things. So your normal way of doing this is the other way. Yes. And you're holding it this way and your brain is saying, wait, it's sending you signals that uh, alert signals. Right. Mm-hmm. Wait, something's wrong here. Something's different. And now there's another part of our brain that's judging that. Oh, well, that's wrong. Mm-hmm. No, I shouldn't be doing it this way. That's why you immediately took your hands apart again, right? <laughs> because it was unnatural and uh-huh. you thought, this is wrong. I, I don't want to do this anymore. So your brain is good at doing things your, the way that it's been taught to do it, your natural way, mm-hmm. but it doesn't like to do things in an unnatural yeah. way. Mm-hmm. Even what, But what if lacing the fingers like this solved your pain? Yes then your brain would take notice, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And it would say, oh, you mean all I have to do is lace my fingers like this and my back pain's gonna go away? Yes, and if, you, if, you, if that was what solved your back pain, you would start lacing your fingers like this forever. <laughs> so now you can unlace your fingers. Yeah. So this is the way it happens in a clinic, right? So I watch people move, they express pain, I have them test the pain, I, I can see where their movement is wrong. I get them to move better. Does that feel better? Yes. Okay, do it again. Make sure, yes, it's absolutely feeling better. Then that's how you're going to start walking. Yes. And now that I've showed them that it feels better, mm-hmm. then it's not such a big sell on my part mm-hmm. because they know it feels better, just like that second way of lacing the fingers, yes. right? So once you show someone something, mm-hmm. they're going to do it. But if you're just talking words and talking theory and, yes. and complex muscles and joints and tissues and all this kind of stuff, it doesn't mean anything to them. Yes. The only thing that means something to them is their pain. Mm-hmm. And that's how, that's how simple it can be. Yes, that is awesome. And I completely agree. I, I have the same philosophy, right, is to make them feel some type of improvement or even like how you mentioned earlier. If it feels weird, right, but it's just a way that's kind of not 
comfortable, or I shouldn't say comfortable. It's not a way that feels natural, but it feels better in terms of pain or movement or whatever it is. That's the first step to teach your brain. Cause it's like, okay, this feels different. This feels weird. Let me make sense of this. And if it's in a way that's beneficial to them, right? We need to start to program that more and more. Yes. And just like with anything else, right? The more that you do it, your brain has this awesome capability to actually adapt to whatever you give it to. So you're going to start to see these improvements. It's not going to feel as weird, but you're going to get better and better over time if you start to use your body how it's meant to move, right? Yeah. So there's so many great things there. And I like how you approach that with clients, with patients, because getting them to see any type of improvement, the result, that helps you know, them to be compliant, that helps them to want to do it more, that helps them to buy in, right? There's so many other benefits beyond just, oh, we're physically working on your tissues and how you're moving, right? Right. Is there anything yeah. that you wanted to add? Well, you know, I, I often describe it as, you know, you're on this well-traveled hiking trail. Okay. But now you find out that this hiking trail is leading you to someplace dangerous that you don't want to go anymore. So you've got to go on a new hiking trail. You've got to develop a new hiking trail. And so you forge this path to, to create this new hiking trail. It's not like that old hiking trail ever is ever going to go away because uh -huh. you have created this enormous neural pathway that says, this is the way I'm going to naturally do it. And you've got to constantly think about using this new hiking trail instead. And you're going to feel better doing it. But sometimes you're going to slip back onto that old hiking trail yes. again, right? They could be very close to each other with just a small difference between the mm -hmm. two. So, you know, but, but it will become easier because that new hiking trail will get wider and wider and, and you'll, you're, you're going to catch on sooner when you step off that trail. Yes. And so think of it like, you know, when I teach people how to bend over differently or walk differently, they're always going to want to revert to that old habit of theirs until a few weeks later, then it becomes less likely. And then a month later, it's much less likely. But those old neural patterns are always there, just like our deep reflexes, like that withdrawal reflex, the Landau reflex, the star reflex. Mm -hmm. We're born with all of these deep reflexes. Our cerebral cortex overrides these so that we can function during the day. Yeah. We can't function reflexively throughout the whole day, right? Mm -hmm. So those, ref but those reflexes are still there waiting to come to action for us. And so they don't go away, just like your old movement habits don't go away, but yes. you can override them and change them. Yes. I'm laughing to myself because we have never talked or met before this recording, but no. I have used the exact or very similar analogy. Like, you know, when it comes to neural imprinting and changing your movement patterns and making your nervous system realize, I always have said like, you know, imagine if you walked across like a huge grass field that you had to clear the way, right? Yeah. The first time that you do it, it's not going to be that clear. But if you keep doing that for a year, right, you're going to clear and make this way the preferred path versus your old path that was already easy and, you know, something that you did comfortably. Yes. So I like that hiking trail example because that is exactly what people need to realize, right? Like exactly like how the interlacing your fingers. If I just kept doing this every day, right, this would start to feel the preferred way that I want to move. And if that's associated with better movement or decreasing my pain, right, that is ideally what you want to do, right, to protect your body and do all the things that you want to do. So let's switch gears a little bit. And you 
have mentioned and shared a lot of these concepts, which, I mean, this is great conversation. I love talking about all of this, (laughs) but let's talk a little bit about what are some of the common things that you are dealing with? Is it primarily back issues? I know it spans, you know, to the whole body, but what is the common thing that you're helping most people with? Could be anything. And what kind of like, are they previous athletes that are kind of retired from the sport? Like you're your athlete example when she was outside of swimming for how many years but still having pain or what's the typical clientele that you really see a lot of you know it's 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 pain from head to foot to be honest i mean back pain yes is the most common but see this is where i think we we get it wrong andrew is that you know any like i said earlier any pain from the rib cage on down mm-hmm. it's all the same system of movement mm-hmm. so it's just in you, it might be expressed as back pain mm-hmm. and someone else it might be expressed as hip pain yes. and another person SI joint pain or knee pain. Yes. So that's why when we look at the whole system of movement, yes. I've broken my evaluations down into two evaluations only mm-hmm. one for lower body system, one for upper body system. Mm-hmm. My lower body system finds everything that's wrong with the entire lower body system and we fix it and pain goes away whether you're coming in with plantar fasciitis or back pain or both. Mm-hmm. Same with the upper body system. So I, I would encourage the listeners to not think so much about, because your question is more about the diet, where people are feeling pain. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. the roots of those pain can be the same yes. in you if you have knee pain and someone else if they have plantar fasciitis. Yes. Yes. Don't think of them as separate things. Mm-hmm. That's where our training has gotten us wrong is that we've been trained to think of these as components. The body is a series of components. It's not, it's a system and it's an ever smaller systems and ever larger systems, Mm -hmm. you know? And so uh, that's the big shift that needs to happen in our thinking. Yes. I feel. 100% agree. I think, you know, the diagnosis is not telling you where the cause is. And exactly like what you just said, if you have knee pain. We'll take something specific. If you're diagnosed with like patellar tendonitis, not all patellar tendonitis are going to have the same cause or in movement, they're going to have the same cause, but it could be when I, when I say not the same cause one person, it could be because they're super weak, they're deconditioned. Another person could be because they're overtraining, they're training like six, seven times a week. Right. So there are different types of influences, but how they're moving and some of the issues there'll be a lot of overlapping concepts and theories to help them to alleviate some of the stress from their patellar tendon. Someone could have retroverted femur. Someone could have antiverted femur. Some people have supinated feet. Some have. So you just have to understand the system that they're operating with. And once you understand that system, it doesn't matter what injury walks through the door, you'll be able to solve it. And that's the nice thing that's, you know, with the therapists I've trained over the years at my clinic, they have all, so uh, I'm a little hard nosed about my approach now and no one gets to work at my clinic unless they use my system. So, uh, but once they master my system, they'll be master clinicians and I, I can make a master clinician out of a clinician in a year. Yes. So, uh, so anyway, that's, that's the rule. You have to learn my system. And then I mentor them throughout that whole year to, uh-huh. to help them get better. And everybody, it doesn't matter which school they're going to, they're all coming from this component thinking. Mm-hmm. that uh, a back issue is different than an SI joint issue, which is different than the hip issue, which is different than the knee. It's not. And from when I see their light bulbs go off and I show them, look, it's all the same system. Mm-hmm. They're just like, because we're taught 
a million tests. Yeah. I mean, look yeah. on YouTube. There's just yeah. a million tests out there, you know, that you could possibly identify exactly what tiny t- tissue is hurting. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yes. It doesn't matter which tissue is hurting. Yeah. It matters the system that's hurting the tissue. Yes. That's what matters. Yes. And so uh, I, I kind of got off on a, on a tangent there, but, but if we can stop thinking of things separately in the body and start mm-hmm. putting it together in our heads, it'll be much simpler. Yes. I, I love what you said there. And yes, I think looking at the system, movement patterns, right? All of these things that we've been talking about, that is crucial. I do want to change gears, switch gears a little bit. Sure. Because as you know, I've been in a high volume orthopedic clinic too. We did physical therapy training after physical therapy and all of these types of things. And unfortunately, the world today is very reactive, I think, in my opinion, meaning that you're not going to go get assessed or looked at or get PT or do strengthening until it becomes a very severe problem. Usually the time that you have to go actually get checked out by a doctor and you have to jump through all of these hurdles or loops to get actual physical therapy cleared. And by then, you know, you're in this, again, it's fixable, but your, it could your have leg been is so resting much. over there and exactly. your body's here. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah>. Yes. So <laughs> talking about this system, I think this is, I like talking to practitioners like you, right? With this like similar perspective and viewpoint on how to address this. Because my thing is that hopefully in the future, more of this becomes preventative, meaning that before you even get that problem, like how you said, someone might have a little issue, they don't have pain yet, maybe they're still performing, maybe they're young, whatever it is, and they're able to bounce back, they're a little bit more resilient. But if you keep doing that, maybe 10 years down the line, it's like, ah, my body's breaking down, right? And unfortunately, that's the point where they actually get assessed or something happens to try to prevent this or not prevent this anymore. It's more reactive trying to fix this. Right. But let's talk a little bit about taking this approach and using this more preventatively, because that's how we can actually avoid all of this, hopefully long-term dysfunction, pain, and all of these other issues that lead us down the medical system. And this is not a bash against medical system, because I think there's a lot of things that they do that help people to get back on the right track, right? But my thing is, if we can reach some of these people, patients earlier, that could be life changing, because you won't have to go through years and years of dysfunction, pain, frustration, all of the things that come with, you know, dealing with these types of movement issues. So whatever you want to share, talk about that. And do you see people that you're catching them very early on. Maybe they're super active or something and they're using this as part of their maintenance plan or performance plan to reach their performance level that they want to maintain, right? You know, uh, are you kidding me? I, I mean, I'm the last person someone wants to come see, <laughs> right? And you're absolutely right. And this is what I recognized, you know, early on in my career, I used to see, you know, yoga and Pilates and personal trainers helping people with injuries. And it used to irritate me as physical therapist because that's my job. You know, that's not your job. But now I realize, look, that's the reality of things. And so one of the things that I've learned from training all of my other therapists is and and my patients, because anyone can be trained in this point of view. I mean, I've written these six books 10 years ago, right? The Fixing You series of books and people just reading the books can solve their own pain. Mm-hmm. Well, if a lay person who has no medical knowledge yes. at all can solve their own pain, well, why can't anyone, you know? So that's when I, I've created a tra- uh, an online training program to teach people how to use this way of looking at the body to solve pain. And you're absolutely right. 
I think the personal, in fact, the very first graduate I've had in my program was a personal trainer. Uh-huh. And I love that because they are the first responders, yes. you know, personal trainers, yoga, Pilates, coaches, mm-hmm. coaches. Oh my gosh. I can go into stories. But anyway, uh, if those people learn how to identify these issues when they're little tiny problems mm-hmm. before they get into big problems and they have to see a doctor or a PT or a chiropractor or whomever, that's where we should be. Mm-hmm. You know, I would love to put myself out of business. I would love to yes. and just have everyone go to their personal trainer, yoga, Pilates, whoever to get the information they need and nip this in the stuff in the bud before it becomes this huge problem. We should be able to do that. And then we can do that. And that's why, you know, my online training program, even though, you know, I offer CEUs for physical therapists, a lot of CEUs, I try not to put a whole bunch of technical knowledge in there Mm -hmm. because you don't need to understand every little muscle, nerve, blood vessel in the body to solve pain. You have to understand how the body works as a system. Mm -hmm. And that's how I've, done this training to make it as simple as possible for anyone to use. And so I'm with you hundred percent. If we, we shouldn't have chronic pain. Yes. Right. That's my goal is not to have chronic pain, just to stop it because everyone has this foundational knowledge about how the body really works mm-hmm. to create and solve pain. Yes. That is awesome. And I think you know, there's, yeah, there's a lot of great things that you're doing there. I commend you for all of the books and training and DVDs and all of these video series, because that is what it should be. Like, I think some of the basic things, like just understanding position, understanding how to stand up straight in proper alignment without your knees locked, right? Hyperextending. Yeah. That should be taught in like elementary school, kindergarten, yeah. even we teach like how to add right on as far as like movement knowledge or literacy, right? Just standing up with good posture and feeling what that feels like, that's probably equivalent to just counting, right? So, you know, I think that's one of the big pieces that I have professional athletes even that it's like, oh, I can do the most athletic feats, but I didn't even understand this basic concept of this is why this is happening, right? So it's kind of that, again, implementing that base knowledge it doesn't have to be complex doesn't have to be technical which is what you're doing and getting that out to more and more people yeah i do want to talk a little bit about to kind of go into your series a little bit more talk about like for how you said the personal trainer the the group class instructor the coaches right anybody that's looking to just move better right and hopefully apply that and translate that to your sport but what is your message to them like what can they find, learn from this series? What are some of the things that it will help them with, right? Because I think that's exactly what everyone needs is let's let's go back to basics. Don't have to get it all into the nitty gritty. Go back to the basics. Understand that this is foundational, fundamental movement that we need to understand. Well, uh, I'll I'll go into a little story that will help kind of talk about this. So you mentioned a professional athlete. I recently worked with an NFL lineman Mm -hmm. who had chronic hip pain. All right. He never had hip pain when he was in high school. Mm-hmm. It only started when he got to college play. Mm-hmm. I identified he had one retroverted femur and one femur that wasn't. And the way his his stance was, he, he was not in his professional stance in a way that gave him strength. Mm-hmm. And so all I did was educate him how to use his right leg differently knowing that it's retroverted. And that, for those of you out there, that means that the thigh bone is rotated outward slightly. 
And all of us have a degree of rotation in our thigh bones, either inward or outward. Mm -hmm. Anyway, this guy only had one of his thigh bones that was outwardly rotated. So I told him just to rotate your foot out just a little bit when you're in your stance. Mm -hmm. And uh, he said, this pain never started until I got to college. And that's because, and you think of, and he was, you know, of course, top of the food chain. Mm -hmm. You think that these people know everything that, oh, well, college, they know everything about training and the body and medicine and all this kind of stuff. What they did was, I found out because I had them on my podcast, mm -hmm. what they did was they lumped all of their training together as one, here's mm -hmm. how you're going to be doing bench press. Here's how you're going to be doing squats. Mm -hmm. Here's how you're going to be doing whatever. Mm -hmm. There's no individuality for mm -hmm. how someone's body is built differently than the next guy. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, well, no wonder this started happening. And so within a week, his hip pain was gone while he was in full goal practice mm -hmm. playing his season in the NFL. So it didn't require any rest. It just required knowledge mm -hmm. of this one little tiny thing. And so, you know, when I speak to other personal trainers or yoga instructors, cause I've spoken to a, a lot of, I've gone to these, you know, mm -hmm. speaking to these groups and said, look guys, it's so much easier than you think. And this is what my therapist tell me. This is so much easier than what I was taught in PT school. It really is easy. And so my online training program reflects that. You're, it's not complicated. Mm -hmm. A few basic ideas, if you have these basic ideas, you can solve anything. Mm -hmm. And then you will have the line out your door because you're solving athlete's pain or whomever's pain before it becomes a big deal. Yes. You know, it's, I, that would be my message is, it's so much easier than you think. Mm -hmm. That is a great message. And I like how you've created this system. And just to give the listeners out there, because I can appreciate this, I think, as I hear you talk and share your story, even though you've come to a simple system, like you said, I think it was like 20 years or something that you're putting yeah. together all of these pieces of the puzzle, because that is what's challenging, I think. And I'm sure you're aware of this. As you start digging into more and more of different philosophies and things, you're like, oh man, there's other things that I need to look into that I wasn't taking into account before, right? And I think that is why your system, your program, your books and everything is so useful for the average person is because you've done all of the heavy lifting already. And you've also paired that with your anecdotal practice, right? What you're seeing with patients and all of that, because- both of those things, all of the information combined, that is what's creating this system to understand just the movement of your overall body, your muscles, your system as well. So mm. there's so many great things. Can you briefly go over what the series is? Because I know you have fixing oh, sure. on all of these different parts, but like you said, it's taking that same system approach sure. and applying that to the patient. Okay, so, uh, so I wrote uh, a series of six books about 10 or 12 years ago. And I wrote those because I was taking Dr. Shirley Saruman's courses and I made friends with one of the PTs. And on the last course, which was, you know, a few months in, I talked to him and I said, Hey, how's this working for you? And he says, eh, you know, I'm a manual therapist. I might use this for some home program or something like that. Mm -hmm. I said, are you kidding me? This is solving chronic pain. I said, it's amazing. And he's just like, yeah, but I'm a manual therapist. Mm -hmm. And that's when I realized that his belief system was keeping him from the information that would actually help his patients. Yes. Not that manual therapy is bad, mm -hmm. but if you, if, but, uh, and this is what happens in medicine is we have these belief systems about what should or shouldn't work. And it happens in law. It happens in medicine. It happens in any career, mm -hmm. right? 
And the stronger our belief systems become, you know, the more filtered they become. Mm -hmm. Well, fortunately, I was so much of a failure as a PT up until this point. I didn't really have any strong belief system other than I knew something that I was doing was causing my pain, you know? (laughs) So anyway, that's when I realized, uh, that's when I wrote my books. So my Fixing You series of books are sold on Amazon and they're designed to be an end around practitioners Mm -hmm. because of these belief system blinders that everyone has on. Mm -hmm. I thought, here's how I can give this information directly to people. Then after that, I bought my clinic and I saw an enormous volume of people. Mm -hmm. And that's when I realized, oh my gosh, you know, it's not just that this is happening in this person and this is happening in this person. The same pattern of problems is happening in all of these Mm -hmm. people with these types of problems. Mm -hmm. And that's when I started whittling down my solutions Mm -hmm. to be just a few key changes to to key areas in the body and that's so now like if you read my back pain book there's like 80 exercises in there trying to solve every little thing right but my back but i've created these downloadable home programs like for back pain now that are like six exercises Mm -hmm. that will solve just about everything and they Mm -hmm. guess what they all deal with your lower body system because Mm -hmm. that's where it's all coming from Uh so anyway that's where my downloadable home programs originated from was my experience in my ba- in my clinic, okay. seeing the results I got by doing less and less and being more targeted with what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And then the online training program I created for practitioners was based on my training for my therapist to teach them this stuff that helped me whittle down what was difficult for them, what was easy for them, what did they really need to know to make this effective for them. So all of this is based on my clinical experience, all of these products that I've created now to, to get out there to the world. Yes. I like how you're teaching the, you know, the end, the patient, the client, how to actually move. Right. I do yeah. want to touch on this a little bit because I, I like how you said, you know, we're all going to have, whether we realize it or not, we're all going to have some type of bias, right. Based mm-hmm. off our, our personal experience, our training and all of that. I am. I don't know if this is a good or bad way. I am biased to teaching movement because I'm yeah. like you. Like I think that is going to be the underlying cause of why certain things are popping up. Again, I'm not against manual therapy and all of that, right? Or all of these, what I call like passive treatments where you're lying down, you're not doing anything active and something is treating your symptoms or treating you know certain tissues, right? I think there's a time and place for that and it does help, right? But like you said, if I stand up even, I stand with that same posture, then everything that you did in that treatment was kind of negated because your brain is reverting back to that old comfortable movement pattern, right? So talk a little bit about just real briefly to the client, because I have my spiel that I give the client, like why this is not helping you to understand movement or helping you to use your body more, but talk about the difference between, you know, like active movement and what you're doing, you're teaching them how to move versus like passive treatments massage, manual therapy, you know, chiropractors, all of those types of things. And again, I'm not saying those, those professions are not doing a good job. They are doing a good job. But again, you have to complement that with the active movement, retraining your body how to move, right? So explain a little bit briefly about the active kind of solutions versus the passive type of treatments and solutions. Yeah. So this is another thing is not all manual therapy is passive. Yes. So, for instance, with uh, the Hannah Somatics training I did, which took three years, mm-hmm. uh, that is a very active mm-hmm. uh, application of manual therapy. Mm-hmm. It's quite powerful. 
because it's addressing everything along all those anatomy trains lines that you mm -hmm. talked about in that last podcast I listened to you uh -huh. about. And so it's designed to address the whole system of movement through manual therapy and movement together. Mm -hmm. So not all ther manual therapy is created equally in, in that standpoint, from that standpoint. So when I talk to the, to my patients about the importance of movement is, I, I mean, I do all, I, I, I have stretches, I have mm -hmm. strengthening exercises, mm -hmm. I have passive treatment that I do, but it's always, and this is where that test retest comes into mind, right? That we talked about earlier. Mm -hmm. If I do that stretch or that strengthening exercise or that passive treatment and they get up and they are better, and they can move better the way I believe that they need to be moving better and that they know that they need to be, then I've done the right thing as a therapist. Nice. But if that, and I expect that immediate result, immediate mm -hmm. result, at least 50% improvement in pain mm -hmm. with whatever intervention I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And so that's what guides me in terms of my choice of treatments is mm -hmm. not so much whether it's passive or movement, but whether mm -hmm it is uh, facilitating where they need to go. And that, uh, you can use any treatment for that. Mm -hmm. uh, as, long as, it's, as long as you're doing that test retest, I think you're on the right track. Yes. And that's why, you know, after one session, I expect at least 30 to 50% improvement with just my first, after my first session. And I've found that if it's anything less than 30%, my patient is lying to me because <laughs> they're trying to make me feel better, right? Yes. Or, no. or convince themselves that, you know, they're, they're uh -huh. on the right track. Well, you know, don't make me feel better. Mm -hmm. I'm here to make you feel better. Yes. So, but it's so, it's very consistent. That's how, that's what guides me as a, as a practitioner. Mm -hmm. And this is, I think what's difficult for a lot of people is that a lot of practitioners aren't used to getting those kind of results. So their threshold for changing treatment or going into a treatment, like I talked to one guy and he said, oh, yeah, I, I was going to do this. And they said it's going to be six months before I know whether it's helpful or not. I'm just like, what? <laughs> six months? Are you yeah. kidding me? No way. The yeah. body doesn't work like that. Yeah. It's immediate or nearly immediate. Mm -hmm. So um, and that's, I think, what keeps a lot of people off from going and getting help with deeper problems is because, mm -hmm. again, they think it's going to take forever. Yeah. But it, it shouldn't take forever. And if your practitioner, if you're not feeling immediately better, communicate that to your practitioner. Yes. And say, what else can we do along these lines to get? And if they can't find something else, then that practitioner may not be have the answers that you're looking for. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It should be relatively fast. Yes. Yeah. I think that's key to what you said is to have that two-way communication between the practitioner and the patient, right? Because a lot of times, I mean all of the people that I've worked with, I've developed a relationship and it's open communication. I'm always mm -hmm. asking them, you know, I need feedback, like honest feedback, even if it's not working, that is good feedback for you because then you're starting to think the gears are turning like, okay, maybe I need to address it this way. Right. So I think for all of the clients, athletes, patients out there, make sure that you can communicate exactly what's going on. Yeah. Even if that's no improvement, right. Communicate that to your practitioner. Critical. And like you said, not every practitioner patient relationship is going to be the right fit, right? So you can always find yeah. what is going to be the best fit for you, but also what's going to bring the best results, right? So the last thing that I want to mention is for the people listening out there, hopefully they'll try your programs. I'll put it all in the show notes. We'll talk about that before you leave. 
But long-term strategies, once you created this change and you fix their pain, right? Quote unquote, what is your plan and how do you get them to understand that it's still very easy for you to flip the switch and move how you did before if you don't start to implement this more regularly, even if it's something like walking or standing, right? How do you communicate that to the patient? How receptive are they? I know they're already feeling way happy, way happier with what you've done because you took away mm-hmm. their pain. But what's your message there? Because what's the long-term strategy so that this does not bring either the same issue or other issues again in the future? Yeah. So I, I want to, uh, I have two things to say. Mm-hmm. So one, I want to address something that you were kind of touching okay. on in the, in the past. There are patients who don't get better when I, when I work with them, mm-hmm. but I'm so consistent. It means one of three things usually. One is that there's a structural problem like a tear that hasn't been identified yes. yet. Yes. Two, there's another system of issues uh, irritating their system. That could be dietary, allergens, mold, mm-hmm. things that they ingest that's causing an inflammatory response. Yes. And three, there could be psychological, emotional, or spiritual mm-hmm. issues contributing to tension in their system that's locking their body into the patterns of dysfunction that I'm trying to change. Yes. And so we have to address that. By the time we get to seeing any of those, they trust me and we can have mm-hmm. that conversation. Mm-hmm. And I, and then we have an open dialogue about, Hey, does any of this sound like it might be the case with you? Yes. And so we'll go down whatever road needs to be going down. They'll mm-hmm. get, they'll, I'll refer them to whatever appropriate professional mm-hmm. to address that. So anyway, I, I don't want everyone to think that, Oh, you use my system and everything's going to yeah. be hunky dory right off the bat. There are people who don't mm-hmm. respond to it, but it's usually when they have these other yes. possibly three things going on. Yes. Okay. Long-term uh, fix. So what I always have my patients do is I, I, I say, look, you're, you're feeling hundred percent better. We're going to discharge you today, but look, this is probably going to happen. Come back in about a year. I don't want to see you walking in my clinic in a year from now, mm-hmm. you know how to solve your pain. Mm-hmm. So what I tell them to do is you're going to, I want you to get on your computer. You're going to create a, a page that says how I fixed my pain. And you're going to have the top three things that solved your pain. I want you to write them out today so that if your pain ever comes back, because you're going to forget about it, you're going to feel so good. You're going to go back on that old hiking trail again. Right. (laughs) And so I want you to have something that says, oh, that's right. This thing really helped me. And so you don't have to come back to me or a doctor or anyone else to solve this. You know, you have the answers. So that's that's what I usually tell them. Yes. The old hiking trail is always there waiting for you. Yes. I think that's super important because like you said, there's always going to have to be some type of maintenance, hopefully before pain comes up, right? But yeah. you just have to understand that there's no like black and white end. It's not like we're not machines, right? There's things that happen in life. There's yes. movements that we want to do, activities that we want to do. So it's not like I fixed it today. I'm good forever, right? But I like how you give them the tools, you teach them, okay, these are the things that really helped your movement patterns specific to your body. And you need to remember this and start to you know, use it in the future. And the more that you use it, the more that you'll move in this fashion, right? I also yeah. thank you so much for sharing the other things because that is one thing that I like about orthopedics. Orthopedics is relatively straightforward. Like when you talk about just evaluating and diagnosing injuries, right? Addressing the cause and stuff, that's not always straightforward, but more or less, you kind of understand movement patterns. But if it doesn't make sense, it's not getting better, then yes, exactly what you said. There could be something anatomical, like an actual injury that needs to be 
corrected more aggressively, right? Surgery, whatever it might be, because that is that is a realm that does help to get people on the right track. And I like the chemical inflammation or imbalance or any type of low-grade inflammation. And also, like you said, psychological, emotional, there's all of that with every injury. It's just that some injuries or some people, right, that might be at the forefront that might be the thing that's holding all of this tension, making you use your body in this fashion, right? So I like how you talked about that because for other people too, we spent an hour, you know, talking about all of the things that how the body moves biomechanically, how the system moves and stuff. But like you said, there's the musculoskeletal or neuromuscular system. That's one system in the body. Yes. Then you have all of your other systems that integrating with that system, right? So I think looking at it from that holistic standpoint, that is crucial for people too, because like you said, not everything is going to be a movement related or isolated movement related issue. Yeah, I've, I've come up with a three pillars theory. So there's mm -hmm. three pillars. We all have some threshold of pain, whatever that is. Mm -hmm. We have three pillars of issues that are usually pushing us up towards that pain. Mm -hmm. One is musculoskeletal. Second is dietary, inflammatory, allergen, mold type of stuff. And the third is psychological, emotional. And so they can all be in differing percentages mm -hmm. based on your life, you know? And so uh, if the musculoskeletal isn't, isn't solving it, it's almost always one of these two as well going on. Yes. That there's so many great information here and we could talk for hours and hours, you know, oh, yeah. <laughs> I truly enjoyed all of the things that you shared, a lot of overlapping concepts. And why don't you briefly explain how people can get access to your books and your video series. And I'll make sure that I put all of that in the show notes as well. Your website okay. too. Yeah. Uh, all my books are sold on Amazon and I, and if you go to rickolderman.com, I have links to everything that I, that I've created and some free stuff too. Uh, but my, you'll find my home programs there. You'll find the practitioner program there. You have links to Amazon for my books. If you end up buying one of my, uh, downloadable home programs, uh, or my practitioner program, uh, if you type in fixing you all one word, F I X I N G Y O U, you'll get a 20% discount on that. So I've made it pretty darn affordable. Most people don't even need the 20% discount, but if you want it, go for it. <laughs> Type in fixing you and get that coupon code. Uh, but that's where you'll basically find everything. Got it. Perfect. And I'll put all of that in the show notes. And what's the future looking like for you? Because we briefly talked about it a little bit before we started recording, but why don't you share how you want to get this information out to more people and what's the future plans for you with sharing all of this information? Oh, sure. Uh, so, you know, I sold, uh, I can't remember whether I said it on live here or not, but I sold my clinic back in April. And uh, so I'm done with the brick and mortar type of model. And I'm moving into this online model because I want the world to be my clinic instead of just that one brick and mortar store. And I, I don't feel, so I'm reaching out to people like you who have these great podcasts and to kind of reach people that I wouldn't normally be able to reach. And I've got another book coming out next year okay. that's being published. And, and so I'm just trying to, that's going to kind of my life's work now is just to, mm -hmm. you know, expose myself or expose people to me. That doesn't sound so great, but <laughs> to my information, I should yes. say, and uh, just kind of help as many people in the world as I can. I really believe it's so much simpler than most people think mm -hmm. as a practitioner or as a patient, mm -hmm. you really owe it to yourself to look into something different if something's not working for you. Yes. That's awesome information. And, you know, everyone check out your website, be, stay tuned for all of the great things that you're going to be working on, the new book and all of that. And I like 
really what you're doing to reach more people, get this information out there because we need more practitioners, professionals like you that's helping to spread the word. So you don't have to wait till you're, you know, all the way where you're right. chest deep in a problem, right? Before you see someone. We yeah. should have access to this when everything's going good because yeah. I think that's when we can keep everything, you know, moving how we should. We can enjoy all of the things, enjoy life and all of that. Overall, the last thing is, any last words of wisdom, anything that you would like to pass on? This could be to anybody, patients, clients, could even be to aspiring physical therapists, right? What's the words of wisdom that you have to pass on after all of your 20 plus years of experience? Well, uh, you know, my my words of wisdom would be more to the patients in, in that you are not broken. Even if you uh, have been struggling and trying all sorts of different practitioners, I can guarantee the approach that I've developed is going to be much different than what you've tried. Mm -hmm. and, and you are not broken. You just haven't had the right information yet. Your body has all the tools to heal, heal itself. Mm -hmm. Just get the obstacles out of your way and you're going to feel a lot better. Great message. I think the key thing, get the obstacles out of the way because then your body is actually going to do what it's good at doing. And that's healing you, making sure that you can use your body how you should. So right. overall, Thank you so, so much for all of the great information. I truly enjoyed talking about all of these different things. And like we both said, this is right up our alley. So yeah. there was a lot of overlapping concepts, but thank you again so much. Everyone go check out your website and all of the resources that you're putting out. I'll put that in the show notes. And again, thank you so much for joining me, Rick. Thank you, Andrew.